Welcome to MCS Pentecast, Pentecostal podcast about theology and life in the Spirit, featuring both scholars and practitioners. MCS Pentecasts are produced by Masters College and Seminary in Ontario, Canada. I'm Van Johnson, Dean of Masters Pentecostal Seminary. I'm Van Johnson, and I'm with Peter Newman, and this is part two of our conversation about Peter Newman's work on Pentecostal experience. It's December the 19th, 2013, and it's still a beautiful evening here in Pickering, Ontario. Okay, so uh, time's moving quickly here. I want to make sure we get back to uh, that question we asked a little earlier that you sort of set us up for. Tell us about how you see the maturing of the Pentecostal movement. I tweaked on this because you use a psychological model, and you're not the only one, that suggests that we are moving from being adolescents to being adults. We're becoming more self-aware. We are we're becoming more reasonable in the way we think and process. So my first field of study is sociology at McGill, and uh, I think of social dynamics of movements. I don't tend to think of how that a, how a psychological model applies to a sociological one. So this is intriguing to me. So I want you to, to make your case and explain it again and get at this pretty common uh, idea that in some ways our early years were our best years. Okay? So uh, the psychological model is, is nice because it suggests to us that all the best things, all the best ideas are not in our past that maybe in some ways the best is yet to come. We're still we're still maturing. Right. Just wait till we're adults. Right. I think of social movements and I think well, by the time a movement starts to mature, it's lost a lot of its passion, mm-hmm. it's forgotten some of the primal ideas, it's compromised, it's no longer what it was. Yeah. Okay, so that's a little bit bleak when you think of it because pretty difficult to rediscover uh, what generated this movement 100 years ago when uh, there's been so much change going on. So tell me about uh, how you see Pentecostals maturing by becoming more reasoned, more reasonable, and why that might mean that um, we don't necessarily need to look back, but we need to, to look ahead and think that maybe the best days are ahead of us. Okay. Um, so I don't... Just to to clarify, I don't think I would say that Pentecostals are maturing simply because we are going to become more rational or reasonable. Okay. I don't I don't want to say it that way. When in in the my book where I I use uh, these mediations of the spirit, I speak about word, tradition, and reason. But reason in the book simply refers to our the impact of culture around us what's what's the way we think within a given culture so anyway let me let me come back to what, what you're saying here though uh so are pentecostals becoming more mature because we're becoming more rational um no i think what i would like to get at here what, what i'm aiming for is to say that we become more theologically mature if we are able to be to have greater self-understanding, greater self-awareness of who we are as a movement. What is it that we are? And therefore, what is it that we can bring to the table in the Christian traditions? That's why 
the subtitle of my book is an ecumenical encounter. I, 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 I believe that uh, if if Pentecostals are willing to recognize that our experience with the Spirit is mediated through our culture, our understanding of tradition and scripture and these types of things. In other words, that when we experience God, there's something very real there and valuable. But at the same time, we're influenced by other factors. If we could admit that, then what it removes is this idea that, well, I've heard from God and you haven't, and that's the end of the discussion. I mean, there is a little bit of a history within Pentecostalism, not only Pentecostalism, but Pentecostalism of church splits and whatnot, because... Our group understands because we've heard from God, and your group doesn't because you haven't. And so yes. we're, you know, there's, there's, there's that that part of our history that's not good. So if we can acknowledge that we are influenced by our other factors that that are part of us because we're historical beings, that's the way God made us. Then maybe it will make us more open to listen to other Christians. And so that that's what I try to do in the book. But back to your your question about. Uh, about the golden age and 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 uh, moving into adulthood, uh, if we can become more self-aware, um, I think that's a step towards maturity. It helps us understand who we are and who we are not. We no longer have to be insecure. I think that's a step towards maturity. So we don't have to be defending ourselves. We're not like that group. We're not like this, uh, and you're not like us. I, I think we need to move beyond the, those days. So I do see that as a step uh, toward maturity in that sense. But you're asking a really good question. What about our early days? Um, first 10 years of Pentecostalism that uh, a number of scholars have pointed out, this is sort of the the essence of Pentecostalism, the golden age, um, the heart of who, who Pentecostals are. And I think there's something to that. There are some key values in the early 1900s that we're still trying to get our heads around uh, and figure out what were those all about. And and so I think there's, there's there is, it's helpful to look back to those days and try to preserve some values. At the same time, I don't think we can ever go back to those days uh, because we are not those people. We are not living in the cultural context in which they were living. God was doing something in and through them at that time to bring something new into Christianity, that we can preserve some of those things today and carry on some of those values. We certainly don't want to dispose of them or lose those values. But what I don't think we need to do is continue to try to go back to those days, to relive those days. I don't think that's even possible. I don't even think that's what God wants for us. So what does this mean? You know, forgetting about who we are and forgetting about those early days? Not at all. I think we need to discern uh, what is it that God was doing in the midst of those people. And we find ourselves, in your words, you've said elsewhere, we're we're part of that tribe of Pentecostals. Um, There's many Christian tribes. We're part of this greater people, the people of God, but our particular tribe is Pentecostalism. And so who are we? And and what things do we want to carry on? And what do we think is valuable? And if we can find out some of those values and, and then ask by the Holy Spirit's help, how can we move those into the future? I think that will be helpful for us. So rather than trying to become those people 100 years ago, 100 and, 110 years ago, uh, rather, can we figure out what is it the Holy Spirit's attempting to do today while appreciating what the Holy Spirit has done in the past and not lose some of those things. So that's tricky, yeah. um, but, I, but I would prefer to see it that way. I prefer to see it that way. Okay, so Peter, um, 
I think we uh, I think we're thinking we need to c carry this on in another podcast because we've just touched the surface of some critical ideas and I'm sure if I'm listening to this as I am listening to you I'm thinking boy it'd be nice to talk more about that and more about that let me just say a, a word about uh, your book and then uh, feel free to uh, to say whatever you want as a final response and then maybe we'll close it off for this one you were very kind when I picked this book up and told you I was going to read it in a day. You told me to focus in on the early chapters, which I found uh, intriguing. And I, and I have to say that not every book that's published by a scholar that comes from a thesis is readable. Because, to be fair to the scholar, the scholar is writing for a pretty highly sophisticated audience. Uh, when you write a thesis, you or imagine other specialists reading it. So, in a thesis, it's often condensed. Sometimes terminology is not clearly explained. The argument is not easily picked up later on in the book through reiteration and emphasis. But you have done a superlative job of bringing the reader along. And I was just delighted as I was reading this over a period of hours when you took the time to say, now look, this is what we've done so far. This is what I said earlier. Now here's where we want to go. I just think that you've made this extremely readable. You did tell me that if I only had a limited amount of time that I should not deal with the ecumenical encounter part that's mentioned in the subtitle which is interaction with some of these uh, major scholars uh, Machia and Simon Chan and Amos Young and perhaps that's part of uh, another podcast where we, where we look at what you think these various authors have to say to us about how we understand our Pentecostal experience. So I want to commend this book to the readers and encourage them to do what I did. Read to about page 161 and then decide uh, whether you want to cross the ecumenical barrier <laughs> or, or not. Yeah, so what I, I yeah, if you're going to do what Van did and just um, uh, try to get a handle on, on some of the, the main concepts, the, the introduction of the book sort of sets it up. And then the first part of chapter one sort of sets the uh, the stage for what what is experience this concept of experience what what where is it going what's it doing in theology and uh, and even philosophy and um, the ecumenical dimension of this is that I take three current Pentecostal scholars as you've mentioned uh, Frank Machia Simon Chan Amos Young all of who represent in their own ways um, a view that experience of God is mediated and they they use that to develop their own theologies, and we'll have to talk about those another another day. But what it allows them to do is to begin to engage with other theologians from other traditions. So, in this book, I do explain Machia's theology of experience and Simon Chan and Amos Young's, and I also briefly overview eight other theologians from Roman Catholic tradition, mm. uh, Eastern Orthodox, uh, and also Protestants. Um, some from uh, liberation theology, feminist theology. Try, I try to give a broad perspective, and what it ends up being is uh, uh, all these folks end up at a nice uh, dinner table where they can dialogue. Um, and what, what we have as Pentecostals, because they're willing to say, experience of God needs to be qualified. It is mediated. There is that qualification there. They're able to come to the table as adults and learn from these other traditions and also offer something. And I think that's, that's what's going on in the book. Chapter 2, I think, will be especially valuable because uh, in there it's all about Pentecostal experience. What, what is it that Pentecostals mean when we talk about experience? And especially for those outside of the tradition. 
if you're trying to learn what, well, who are Pentecostals, uh, what does experience of God mean to them? Um, I think that chapter will be especially helpful because yeah. it explains it's not, Pentecostals can't be understood simply by reading our theology books. I mean, there's more coming out now, but, but we haven't typically been writers. Uh, it's rather by observing what we do. And so those are just some of the aspects that are explained in that chapter. And I, I do think that that chapter in particular might be very helpful for those outside of the Pentecostal tradition to understanding us a little bit better. Thank you, Peter. I'm Van Johnson, Dean of Masters Pentecostal Seminary, Toronto. We've been talking with Dr. Peter Newman, who is uh, Assistant Dean of Academics at uh, Masters College in Peterborough about his book, Pentecostal Experience. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of MCS Pentecasts, podcasts produced by Masters College and Seminary. MCS Pentecasts are available online at mcs.edu and also through iTunes Podcasts. Masters College and Seminary offers biblical, theological, and practical courses from a Pentecostal perspective at both undergrad and graduate levels. For more information on graduate courses offered through Masters Pentecostal Seminary in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, visit mpseminary.com. For undergrad courses at Masters Pentecostal Bible College in Peterborough, Canada, please visit mcs.edu.